The one who spoke the physical world into existence has command of the spiritual world as well. Now notice the demons possessing the man obeyed the commands of Jesus to leave the man. The command, remember, had been given by Jesus the minute he stepped out of the boat and they identified the superiority of Jesus as the son of the most high God. They responded in vocal manifestation as well as physical, prostrating themselves before him. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's submitting to a greater power. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Having just crossed the stormy Sea of Galilee, Jesus and his disciples are met on shore by an outcast from society, possessed by unclean spirits who lived among tombs. Dwelling among the dead, he had no hope, no future, and under the dominion of Satan, was powerless and helpless. That is, until the presence of Jesus brings him liberation from the unclean spirits and a new purpose in life, to announce to all what the Lord had done. Pastor Xavier draws today's simple truths of the life-transforming power of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Let's listen. Uh, The twelve disciples have um, witnessed the raising of the dead, the healing of many, and the deliverance of some who were demon-possessed. And Jesus is moving with a large group of people, as you know, evangelizing through the Gospel, the area of Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus has just finished teaching the parable of the sower, revealing how the hearts of sinners respond to the gospel. And he illustrated by the parable of the lit lamp for those who accept Christ to be a witness of those in darkness, emphasizing the personal responsibility by saying, Take heed how you hear, Luke 8.18. Today you have to take heed how and what you hear. Mark gives you what? Luke gives you how. Jesus just left Capernaum with his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee, as you know, and they've encountered one of the worst storms they've ever been in. And the disciples failed the test of faith by not taking heed how they heard. Jesus had told them in Luke 18, 22, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Don't you care? We perish. We're perishing. You didn't hear me. I said, let's get in the boat, and we're going to the other side. He didn't tell them how he was going to get there, but he said they were going to get there. We start freaking out in the middle of the trip. He said, I'm going to get there. But there's a lot of things that can happen between A and B. But if Jesus is in the boat, how can you think that you're going to perish? Now, if you're in the boat by yourself, you've got some problems. But if Jesus had put you in the boat, you can sleep like him. They failed to hear what he said. Now, they have arrived on the other side only to encounter a demon-possessed man, which unfolds for us in a threefold movement. The confrontation by the demoniac comes first. Jesus was face-to-face with a hostile man, as we'll see. Here, he's only said as a certain man. Um, He was naked. He wore no clothes, and um, he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. He's dirty. He's just out of his mind, and he's living like an animal. The heart of Jesus goes out to him. 
The demons possessing the man responded to the greater authority of Jesus. He vocally raised his voice when he saw Jesus. He cried out. He physically prostrates himself before Jesus. He falls down before him. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's submitting to a greater power. The incompatibility is stated. Don't miss it. What have I to do with you? He has no compatibility with Jesus. Light and darkness. The superior authority, the deity, Jesus, son of the most high God. Notice the demons requested of Jesus here to not punish them. I beg you, do not torment me. So the leading demon speaks. You see, the demons know that there is a set time for Jesus to punish them. There is no redemption for demons or angels. And we're going to see these are nothing but fallen angels. They will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. The man was also imprisoned by man. So you have the spiritual force behind the reality. Then you have the earthly force that is trying to deal and understand what's going on, but doesn't. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. Notice, secondly, comes the expulsion from the demoniac. 30 to 34. In 30 and 31, the conversation of Jesus with the demon-possessed man here is given. Jesus initiates the conversation. Jesus asks him, saying, what is your name? Jesus is fully aware he's not speaking to the man, but to the demon. Now, the demon, in response notice, answered Jesus, and he said, legion, because many demons had entered him. Now, notice the demons made a request of Jesus, and they begged him, they, plural, that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Luke only mentions the abyss, by the way, uh, which is translated pit, shaft, or the bottomless pit, and it appears nine times in the New Testament, the place where demons are incarcerated. Now, men and women are incarcerated in Hades. That's what used to be Sheol or Hades, the two compartments, but when Jesus descended, and he destroyed the power of death. He led captivity captive. And now it became just one compartment and it's called Hades. So when a person dies not accepting Jesus Christ, they go to Hades. They are incarcerated there until the white throne judgment. Demons, unclean spirits, are incarcerated in the shaft or the abuse or the pit. Now notice in verse 32 and 33, the demons possessing the man obeyed the commands of Jesus to leave the man. The command, remember, had been given by Jesus the minute he stepped out of the boat as the maniac met him. And the demons possessed, they responded in vocal manifestation as well as physical, prostrating themselves before him. And they identified the superiority of Jesus as the son of the most high God who would one day punish them. The raising of pigs here in the context provides viable vessels for demons now to possess. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountains. Pigs are unclean animals, you know, forbidden to the Jews to raise or eat. Leviticus 11.7, Deuteronomy 14.8. The request by the demons, notice, to leave the man was granted by Jesus then. So they begged them that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. The demons had been commanded by Jesus, and they're merely obeying. So the man was delivered from his lifelong enslavement immediately, instantly. 
just as you and I were instantly transformed when you opened your heart and asked Christ to save you. And all of a sudden, your life was changed. Notice the transfer again is immediate. That the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. The reaction of the pig was immediate also, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. They suffocated. Now the men tending the pigs here, in verse 34, were startled, and they ran. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and they told it in the city and in the country. I mean, you, you stop and think about it. Just before you were born again, you don't know anything about spiritual things. You've got all kinds of different you know, suspicions and superstitions and traditions. And you, you see something like that, it freaks you out. The teaching that a believer can be demon-possessed and absolutely unbiblical. Let's get that straight. Every case in the scripture, they are non-believers. Not Christians. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Okay, 1 John 4, 4. Light and darkness cannot occupy the same vessel. Now, a believer can be harassed. A believer can be oppressed. A believer can even be depressed by demons or unclean spirits for two reasons. First, because they're meddling with occultic things and they have no business there. Are we clear on this? There are things that Christians are messing with today. They have no business going there or being there. Secondly, because they're not growing the knowledge of Christ, they're not putting the armor of God and doing good warfare. Paul said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16 and 25. Notice thirdly, you have the transformation of the demoniac, 35 through 39. 35 through 37, the deliverance of the demon-possessed man was used to reveal the power of Jesus to save. Their curiosity brought them out, 35. They sought the one responsible for the pigs perishing. Who did they go to? <laughs> then they came, went out and they saw what had happened, to see what would happen, and so they came to Jesus. Who else? They were confronted with the undeniable evidence, notice here, of the man's restored sanity by Jesus. And they found the man from whom the demons departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. No longer raging or danger to anyone, but unpossessed, clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, because now he wants to be his servant. In his right mind, which is the climax of the whole Greek structure. A fact delivered. Their curiosity was short-lived, notice, turned into unbelief. If you think miracles give you faith to believe, you're crazy. You get saved by grace through faith by hearing the gospel, not because you see a miracle. It turns to unbelief to be confronted by the man who witnessed the deliverance themselves. Notice, attesting to their previous possessed condition of the man. They also, who had seen it, told him by what means he had been demon-possessed. So they were saying, oh, no, 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 we saw him. This is non-believer laying the witness on the non-believer. <laughs> the tense is the participle error is passive. In the past, no longer possessed. Attesting to his being healed, so-so is the word. A word used for deliverance as well as healing physical and salvation. Indicative error is passive. Their unbelief, notice, blinded them to the love and the saving power of Jesus. Look at 37. 
The response by all was to reject Jesus. Then the multitude, the whole multitude of the surrounding regions of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. He did good, manifested great authority. What did they do? Get out of here. The reason for rejecting Jesus is that they were seized with great fear, literally being gripped with fear. Why? They couldn't be afraid of the man. He's no longer a danger. He's sitting clothed and saying at the feet of Jesus, by a big old smile. First time in his life. They were afraid for the loss of the pigs. The finances. What more might they have in loss if Jesus sticks around? This is why people reject Jesus. I, I, I you mean I, I have to give this up? Another implication that most likely they were Jews. Jesus destroyed their property. If, if, if they're not Jews breaking the law, then you have to say that Jesus destroy their property unlawfully. Which way you want it? <laughs> their self-imposed loss of Jesus, underline that, self-imposed, was due to the hardness of their heart. And he got into the boat and he returned. They rejected him. Jesus focused on the man. The man responded to Jesus. Jesus forces no man. He respects their choice. He will not save you against your will. He will not force you to serve him even after you're saved. You're a free moral agent. The seed fell by the wayside. Listen to the words. Take heed how you hear. Luke 8, 12 and 18. How are you hearing when the word of God is preached and taught? It's fallen on good ground. You dismiss certain things because, no, nah, I would never go there. Really? Listen, the S on your chest does not stand for Superman. It stands for stupid. Every one of us. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. The deliverance of the demon-possessed man resulted in being saved by Jesus. Look at 38 and 39. And 38, the desire of this man was to become a disciple of Jesus. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. The man was greatly appreciative, literally begging. He was in his right mind for the first time. The man was free to choose who he wanted to serve. He was not forced. He was deployed as a witness of Jesus. Listen to his words. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and Tell what great things God has done for you. The end of 38 and the beginning of 39. Jesus gave him his orders. Don't miss them. A present imperative. Return to your own house. Jesus did not deny or reject him, but redirected him as his disciple for the calling that he had for him. Do not compare yourself among yourself lest you be unwise. Don't worry about what God is using another person. You seek the Lord to see how he wants you. How do you fit in the body of Christ? What gifts has he given to you? What has he called you to do? Do it. Do it with all your might, with all your heart. Do it to the glory of the Lord and don't worry about anything else. 
and you will do well. Jesus sent him back as an ambassador of Jesus to his own home. Mark adds friends and how God had had compassion on him. The people who knew him the closest, the clearest, and the most uh, understanding was those in the home. They knew his horrible condition, Mark 5.19. That's why when you got saved, I got saved, the greatest impact was my home. My mom and dad knew me. Then my friends knew me. They couldn't deny the change. Another subtle implication, he was Jew. There's no explication about what God he's got to talk about. Go tell what God has done. He's in Gentile territory right now. He should have said, well, what God are you talking about? He must know what God, right? (laughs) Jesus was the cause of his sound transformation. No one else. Now notice he obeyed, spreading the gospel. The end of 39, the man did not procrastinate in his commission from Jesus. And he went his way, and the man was faithful to his commission, giving witness about Jesus delivering him and saving him and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Mark says he proclaimed it in the Decapolis, the ten cities of the Gentiles, Mark 5, 20. What a glorious ending. But it doesn't always end like that. Demon activity and possession will increase in our nation since we are no longer espousing the Judeo-Christian faith and we are tolerating and seeking and even promoting all manner of spiritualism and occultism as a norm. Every person will have to at least one opportunity before they die to be saved. I can't tell you when, where, or how, or through who. But based on the facts that Jesus was sent by his Father to die for the whole world, John 3.16, he must give at least one chance. Based on the fact that he's not willing that any should perish in 2 Peter 3.9. Based on the fact that the Father and Jesus Christ himself could not be holy, just, or good if they didn't give at least one chance. Then that would be, mean that they were responsible for your lostness. Which of you as a father would, would punish your son or your daughter when they were innocent? Or which of you would equally knowing the guilt of both of your sons punish one and not the other? Does not accuse God of being like us. Ezekiel 18.32, listen to the heart of God. For I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. The God of the Calvinists, if you were in our series, says that God takes pleasure at the death and destruction of the reprobate or the one who's been, by God's election, damned to hell without never having an opportunity to be saved. Ezekiel says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Who are you going to believe? The Bible or Calvinism? Make a choice. I suggest you go with the plumb line. Every person is a, a powerful witness to the miracle Jesus has done in their life from saving them from sin. First to our home and families, there's a greater responsibility Then to our close friends and acquaintances that we are so familiar with and they with us. And last to those that we encounter from day to day as God opens those doors 
Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, my home. Samaria. My friends, my city. The ends of the earth, wherever God takes me. I am his servant. I am to sit at the feet of Jesus from the minute he saves me like this demoniac and go on the errands that God sends me. Not the ones the pastor sends you, not the one the church has a vision for, but the one that you know God has called you to do. You understand? The Christian is called to be a faithful witness of Jesus and not compromise the gospel, telling them of God's love, demonstrating the death of his son, to communicate them, telling them that no person deserves heaven but is available to them by the grace and the faith in Jesus Christ through repentance. Anybody. You don't have to worry if you're unconditionally elected or not. He died for the whole world, for the ungodly. I presume you qualify. Telling them Jesus will transform their lives and enable them to live a life of victory above sin. Certainly not carefree, but now you can choose between right and wrong. Now you can call upon the Lord to honor him and live for him. Our confidence is not in ourselves, but is in Jesus Christ. Telling them that God honors nothing for salvation except the one man, the one way, the one name, the one mediator, Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Acts 4, 12, 1 Timothy 2, 5. It's very clear, very narrow. Disciples asked Jesus, are there many to be saved? He says, few there be that find it. Agonized to enter in. Straight and narrows the way. Bunyan said, there's a door to hell, one step from heaven's gate. The closer you get to heaven, the greater attacks will come. All the kings of the Old Testament fell in their old age. I don't expect my life to be easier as I'm headed for the finish line. And that is why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it's written, the just shall live by faith, quoting Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1, 16 and 17. The power of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Not that you are unconditionally elected. Not that anything but if you believe that you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus died for you, then God initiates through the gospel and gives you that window time to understand that you need salvation. And you are the only one that makes that decision. No one else. God does not make that decision for you. You decide where you end up in eternity. You will have to live with that for all eternity. All of us know what it is to live with regret now. But it's short. But for all eternity, you'll be in worse shape than this man that was just delivered. The transformation of the demoniac was to spread the gospel. The encounter with the demon-possessed man has unfolded in this threefold movement. The confrontation by the demoniac was pitiful. The expulsion from the demoniac was inevitable. And the transformation of the demoniac was for the spreading of the gospel. That's it. There's nothing more important, nothing more powerful, nothing more needful in our world, and more so in the church. The gospel is not being preached. It's another gospel. 
God help us. Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of the gospel to transform all those who are willing to receive it. More simple truths drawn from the Gospel of Luke today. And this message, The Demoniac Set Free, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title you'll want to ask for is The Demoniac Set Free, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Are man's attempts at self-preservation futile? Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese explains Scripture's simple truth about the desire to save our life just might be on the road to destruction. Hope you'll join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com